0: I search
1: um, that's about to come on. I had no idea he, uh, he was following me on Instagram. I noticed one day that he made a, a comment and I said, you know what? Let me just send him a DM. Let me slide into his DM and just say, Hey, um, tell him how much I appreciate him and tell him how much yeah. I, and he responded, which I was, I was bugged out. Like I bugged out. And then he told me an amazing story, which we're going to get into, and that we actually talked about on his podcast. But ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite comedians and my son's favorite comedian, Tom Green, is in the building. Good morning, sir. What's up, Serge? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, First of all, we need to really understand your connection, even before comedy,
0: your connection to hip hop. Yeah. Well, you know- As he uh...
1: adjusts. He adjust- it sounds like you're scratching your balls right now yeah. so we'll wait we
0: go. Is, can you hear me can you hear me now is that better
1: oh. no 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 it was great before it's oh, even it's better before.
0: now all right okay even better i got two i got two i got this microphone and i got this i got this i'm trying to figure out is it better this microphone or this microphone i'm just seeing i'm in my studio check it out before we I, i'm oh, in my no. studio see so, yeah, i got my no, dude. here right oh. and uh, like, you know i can like make beats oh. in here
1: yeah oh well oh chill chill you're blowing up the building you're blowing up the building hold on hold Uh, on hold on hold uh, on hold on hold on cut the beat trying to figure out if we should even wear the headphones but yeah yeah so i got i got the mic on okay i'll
0: just leave it like that that's good i can hear that we can hear that
1: all right cool 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 you you see you just ruined the whole spot about you being an actual amazing producer but i wanted to get into that actually before Uh you started getting into comedy you were yeah. a big fan of hip hop. How, how did that happen in, uh, Ottawa? What was that a boot? Uh, well,
0: you know, I, you know, we didn't have the internet back then, but people would talk to each other and they would say, Hey, you got to check out this and check out that. And, uh, I mean, I I'd, I'd heard rappers delight before. I love that, but we didn't really have the hip hop culture that you had in New York, of course. But, uh, you know, it was just word of mouth. And I remember basically it all started when somebody showed me run DMC. They said, you got to check out run DMC. And, uh, you know, we really got into that. And then it was public enemy and you guys, third base and all the, all the legendary, you know, uh, hip hop of the early late eighties, early nineties was when I was really kind of getting into it. I started a rap group with my friends. I worked summer jobs, uh, Basically, so I could afford to buy a drum machine, a used drum machine. So I'd go mow lawns or, or uh, you know, work as a dishwasher, work all summer, not spend anything except for maybe on some skateboard parts, too. And then my drum machine. I remember I got this, I got this Yamaha drum machine. It wasn't really that good, but it was, it was enough to just kind of make some sounds. And then eventually I saved up and I got an Akai sampler, an S950 sampler. It's a rack mount sampler. And I got into looping beats and breaks and uh, I, I did a radio show and I just started making beats. And we started this rap group, my buddy and I, and uh, we ended up de- getting a little record deal up in Canada. And that was kind of uh, what we did. It was fun. And what was the name of
1: the, the group for the people that don't know?
0: Uh, we, it was Organized Rhyme. Uh, we were... we we. Uh, we, we, it was funny because I, I, I think you could only get away with this in Canada in the late 80s. But we all got jackets made. We got matching jackets made for myself. MC Pin. I was MC Bones rocking the microphone. I'm like a king on the throne. Only thing is I stand alone. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, uh, we had our matching jackets and they said organized rhyme on the back. And they said police on the front. And we had our dancers too. We had backup dancers. I wasn't really much of a dancer, but I did try to do the you know, the, the MC search jump through the leg thing a few times. But you know, I, I will really give able to you do that five
1: thousand dollars if you can do that right now.
0: Oh, if man, you can jump through your hospital. leg
1: right now, I will give you five thousand uh, dollars.
0: Oh my god! I mean, I don't want to go to the hospital in the corner. If you can do yo,
1: if you here we go, man. <laughs> no no, no. nah. you trust me my wife was at the at the the foot of the stairs like please don't let him be able to do it anyway thank you, you for the what? attempt though thank you for I, the attempt
0: I, uh 30 years ago i might have pulled that off so and okay. you, you got lucky on that one. Oh, but, for sure <laughs> but yeah it was uh so it's an honor to be in your show search it's so cool that we have just gotten to know each other over the last few uh few um couple months here because uh you did my podcast recently. And, and, uh, but, you know, I was, I had this radio show, uh, which was, it was called The Rap Show, actually. And I just played hip hop music. And it was the only real rap show in Ottawa in the late 80s on uh, college radio. And, uh, so it's pretty cool just to get to know you, man. It's, it's yeah, pretty it's, weird.
1: Well, I, I told you, and I, and I can continue this story. When my son graduated Emerson, he told me the two people he wanted to meet when he got to L.A. was Adam F. Goldberg from the Goldbergs and you. And at the time, I, I didn't know either one of you. And now I, I'm very blessed to say that both of you are becoming uh, close friends. So And uh, and I push my son on you on a regular basis. And you're very nice to actually uh, consider him a human being, which is also kind of cool. Absolutely, um, man. So, yeah. Of course. Oh, she Sherry Lynn, you. sending love from Udowa. Sherry Lynn, did All you right. ever... Did you ever bone Tom Green? Is what I want to know. Is that an ex?
0: Uh, No, it's not. It's not an ex. But uh, I did. I did just send out a Facebook to tell people to come check this out. So uh, okay, cool. I'm. I'm. I'm glad it's not an ex because then I would have had to tell you, (laughs) tell you the truth. Any exes
1: from Ottawa, please type in and tell us some ugly ass Tom Green dating stories.
0: So I have a feeling my exes aren't tuning into the show.
1: And and all your exes may live now in Texas. Um, So Tom. There's the other part of this, which is you went on the road with us. You opened for us.
0: Well, it was just one gig. So, like, you were, we got signed to this deal with this amazing Canadian rap group called the Dream Warriors. Oh, and yeah. So they I saw,
1: love those dudes.
0: Yeah. And they, 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 they were incredible, really ahead of their time. Uh, you know, they were kind of involved with Gangstar, and, uh, they, and, and they, did, they did a song with Gangstar. And they and did
1: Jeff, a, star- a song with Premiere, and they did a song yeah. with Domingo, and there was a lot yeah. of really dope New York producers who fucked with them.
0: Yeah, King Lou and Capital Q, and, and they were really good wow. guys. I mean, they're basically the reason we got a record deal. So we were doing this thing in Ottawa. They're from Toronto, and we drove to open for them in Halifax, okay? This is... Uh, a 16-hour drive we drove to open for them. This was about a year before we, maybe a year and a half before we played with you guys. But, uh, and we did this crazy show. It was like we weren't really by any means in any way you know, street hip hop, you know, we were goof- <laughs> I'm a goofball from Ottawa. Uh, we had, like to put it in perspective. I had like at one point we do a dance breakdown and we all grab laundry baskets and we put them on our head and it's t- turn slowly to industrial music and the audience would just be kind of looking, uh, you know, my, my, my partner in the group, his family, his parents, his parents had just renovated their home, so he had f- like twenty-five extra doorknobs hanging around. So of course, we brought them to the show and handed them out to the people in the front row. You know, everybody,
1: everybody got, needs a doorknob, every, brother. Everybody
0: needs a doorknob. Absolutely. Right? We threw pita bread into the crowd, and all the everybody shit.
1: loves pita bread. Who loves love, pita bread. You know yeah. what? You're one short from hummus. You could have been a platinum act.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the Dream Warriors saw this stupidity and they thought that was pretty cool. And we, you know, they thought the rhyming was good and the beats were good. So they brought us to Toronto and we recorded a record and it got put out by a and Records Canada. And we had this deal and we had a charting song uh, in Canada. The video's on YouTube. It's called Check the O-R. you like it so far. And, uh, and uh, then we got Dream Warriors were opening uh, for you at uh, Rutgers University in, mm-hmm. uh, in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And so we all drove down together in a van, and uh, we did a like one song right. for the Dream Warriors. I wash my face
1: in your sink. Adam Shaw wants you to know that.
0: That's right. I wash your face in my sink. Sink. Yeah, absolutely. So how
1: did the how did the lyrics go to that? I wash my face in your sink. How did how did the lyrics go to that?
0: That was the Dream Warriors song. So go here we go. Are you ready for another one? Dream Warriors got the new Once again to to t- telephone a friend. Yeah. Oh no, that might be my definition of a boom bap. That was my
1: dead. Yeah, that was my definition. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't going to, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Put you on <laughs> Brass.
1: Put you on Front
0: Street if you will, but test my memory. But can now. I yeah. can
1: I hear at least an organized rhyme lyric right now? Just like anything that comes to your head about the organized uh-huh. rhyme
0: lyrics? Uh, give me a pen so I can begin to write a new rhyme, start a new trend. Sound the alarm, I'm dropping a bomb, giving you flashbacks like it was the second Vietnam. You want a rhyme like mine? You better sign the contract on the dotted line. I got you strung out, you never hung out. Because you know the pro bones number one out. Beats are dro- raw, that's why I'm sure. After this is doped out, I can dope you more. I got a, another jam guaranteed to slam. My name is Bones, that's who I am. Rhymes are superb, some say splendid. Biting is intended, but I don't recommend it. You walk around like you're rough and you're tough. But the message in the music, boy, you ain't moving nothing. Ooh! You ain't moving nothing. That's pretty dope. <laughs> that's really dope. Like I, if, You know
1: what we need to do? Is this is what we're gonna do besides our freestyle, which we're gonna do in a little bit? You're sure. gonna take organized rhyme, old beats over, over, I mean, old rhymes over your new beats, and I'm gonna take my old <laughs> rhymes over your new beats, and we're gonna create yeah. all new concoctions, which are gonna be. Oh crap. my gosh! So let's yeah, yeah. let's move forward to just. I, there's a couple of things I really, I would, I've always wanted to ask you. So, MTV, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: How did that happen, in terms of you being an MC from? You know, obviously, Ottawa, having a relationship with the Dream Warriors, touring, you know, doing some dates in the U.S. But how did MTV come about? How did that transition in your career come about?
0: So there was kind of a gap of about five or six years after the rapping kind of fizzled out, really. We did that one record deal and, you know, the record sort of was, was successful on the charts in Canadian. It was only released in Canada. It didn't really, you know... I guess we kind of just lost our record deal and we were kind of sitting there. I was 19 years old and uh, and I was thinking, well, what am I going to do? So I went back to school. I studied broadcasting at college in Ottawa and uh, learned television production. And back in the day, you know, we didn't have these phones and we didn't have editing on our computers and all this shit. So I really went there because I just wanted to get access to a video camera. And I learned all this stuff. But because I had the rap group and there was a little bit of you know, people knew who, who we were. I was able to go down to the public access station in Ottawa and convince them to give me one night a week, Thursday night at 1130, to go on the air and do whatever I want. So we, we basically made this talk show, the Tom Green Show, and uh, started it. I go, I started going out in the street, shooting the videos, and then we'd go in and I'd sit at a desk and interview, like, you know, a local hot air balloon pilot or something <laughs> like that. You know, like we didn't have... We didn't have guests, you know, so that'd be like the most interesting person we could find. No,
1: that, that's really interesting cuz yeah, I always it. wanted to know how long it took to inflate a hot air balloon. Yeah. What is the into maximum it. weight? Yeah.
0: You yeah, know, we got into yeah, it.
1: right. How how do you drift? What's the po- proce- what's the drift? What's the longitude latitude do you have to follow? Yeah. What's yeah. the proper drop zone area? Like that's yeah, really absolutely. I think that's intriguing.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, these are the kinds of guests we had. (laughs) But we also made it crazy. You know, sometimes we'd get really weird and the guests would get confused. And I was doing this radio show on the college station. So people were listening to that. and They'd come down and watch. And the show just kind of grew. I started doing the pranks on my parents and uh, doing a lot of the video stuff out in the street. And the show got a bit of a cult following. Eventually, about 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 six years of doing that, and then MTV heard about it and brought me to New York, and uh, that's where it all started. In 1999, we went on MTV in 1999, and uh, the show kind of took off. And now I'm now I'm still living here in Los Angeles, and uh, still doing it. Still do it, doing my podcast now out of my out of my house, and. Uh, I'm still doing this thing. No,
1: I'm so glad you're doing it out of your hoose. And, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't, I can't. <laughs> 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 like, how can you, how can you ever get taken seriously as a rapper? If you sound like the frosted lucky charms, retro-
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and again, the, the cultural impact of what you did on that I don't know show why I just got kicked off or something. We, you got kicked off because I just felt Hello? like, yeah, you're here. You're still with us. Now you're gone. Hello. no there you you were always here you're here tom we see you
0: hello i lost you there my hello
1: if you put on your headphones damn it
0: i think i got somebody called my phone and i got kicked off um i love Um, this pumice it's the magic of i know i know i love it i hear you again i hear you again
1: no, we always heard you. We heard you the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. And you were like, oh, shit, somebody called me, me. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it's funny.
0: So, uh, <laughs> That's cool. We're back. We're back. We're back. I don't Dream know. Dream Warriors, if, absolutely. Yes, okay. That's are what happened when still? you
1: live that close to Toronto, you know Dream yeah. Warriors. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. My partner, Pumice, is in Buffalo. I actually can't um, hear search
0: now. Just search, but you can hear me? I can hear you, but not search, yeah.
1: That's really weird. Hold on. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: We'll yeah. add him back to the stream and see how's it go. Hello?
0: There we go. There we go. There we right, go. go back. You Comment. know, I, I did this internet show for uh, for uh, years up in my house too in the early two thousands, and uh, you know, it's it's fun. The technical stuff is part of it.
1: That's the best <laughs> part. Yeah. I, I again, what what I remember from that show, and I and I told you this is that you were doing comedy. You know, when I was a kid, my mom would show me Ernie Kovacs, would show me Monty Python, like you know, as a liberal Jewish family in in Queens, you know, she didn't really censor us. You know, I was 10 years old and looking at Playboy, you know, like there was no like, you know, she didn't feel the need to like hide anything from us. Right. So watching Ernie Kovacs, watching, you know, Monty Python, we had a very, you know, Benny Hill, you know, we had a very, my brother and I, my sister, you know, my family, we had a very keen sense of what was outside the box comedy. Yeah. You know, besides, you know, the the other things that were going on, Carol Burnett and all the other things that I kind of grew up on. And I told you this, you know, watching your show, The Tom Green Show, you were the pers- first person I ever saw take an ECV and tear up a supermarket. It was yeah. so <laughs> forward thinking, like, you know, it was so forward thinking. But one of my favorite shows, and, and still to this day, I can't talk about it without, like, laughing so hard that I almost faint, <laughs> is that you did an episode of your show. Uh-huh where you went to a marshmallow factory to watch the production of marshmallows.
0: That's true. This is, we did do this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what happened was they showed you and the gentleman that was walking around showed you how the marshmallows came out of a giant tube. It was a, mm. it was a tubular.
0: Yeah. Tubular piece of marshmallow.
1: Right. Uh, look. And you decided to grab the tube as it came yeah. out. The
0: tube, the tubing. And of, yeah.
1: The tubing. And then you decided to enjoy.
0: Yeah. Eat the marshmallow. Yeah, it looked like something that you shouldn't be watching on television. It was very,
1: it was very phallic, but it was. <laughs> but you were eating the marshmallow. But yeah. you were. But you were moaning and you were enjoying the marshmallow. You yes, were thoroughly the, enjoying the marshmallow.
0: The gentleman and, at the marshmallow factory didn't quite know what to think of it, and
1: it? he said, "You cannot please use the marshmallow as it is intended to be used." Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> while you had this giant marshmallow schlong in your mouth
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and i remember watching this live and then blacking out because i yeah. laughed so hard <laughs> and my wife like said what happened and i just said i just saw the funniest thing i ever saw on television <laughs> like, and, to, and i told you to this day like anytime i saw your name it would just it would crack me up was there i, I gotta ask you about the writing room for for your show like who was in the writing room? Like, how did you guys think about what you were going to do for each show? And and what was your, I mean, what was the, the writing process for you when you were kind of doing that?
0: So in the early years of the show before MTV, that's where we kind of figured it all out. And we would just go out on the street with the video camera and just kind of walk around all day and talk to people and figure things out. And you know, I'd I'd come up with weird sort of surreal stuff like you know the first video we ever shot. I, I duct taped a bunch of uh, pork chops and, and and beef and stuff to my head, and it was it was called Meathead was the bit. And I went around with a handheld microphone, just did a very normal questions, very serious interview, but there was you know, of course rotting steaks on my face, and so people thought that was strange. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's that's
1: pre Lady Gaga, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But so that would have been like 1990s or something no 1994 actually so but we started progressively thinking of more ideas and pulling the pranks on my parents came into it that became a big thing people liked I, I painted my parents house plaid and, and <laughs> you know I had pornography painted on the hood of their car it was called the slut mobile it said the slut mobile I and mean, it was like this really nice you know like the 1970s van airbrushing you right, know? right 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 So, but it was all about filming these reactions. We really figured out that the reactions of people really was what the punchline was. We'd go do something really just completely goofy or weird and ridiculous and they'd get the reactions. And I think that's really what made it stand out was, you know, this was pre-reality TV before iPhones and all of this. So people just didn't see that kind of stuff on TV yet. So, So when that kind of came on MTV in 1999, it was a lot, you know, the only other reality show was the real world and that was, you know, still looked like a TV show compared to this, where we were just running around going gorilla style, mm-hmm. so so that's, I think, really part of what made it stand out, too, but the writing, you know, it was my friends and I, we would come up with these bits, and then when we got to MTV, they actually, we actually had some writers came in, and uh, we'd, we'd just sit around, and we'd throw ideas around, and they were all funny dudes, and we'd just think of what, what kind of you know, crazy thing? Do we want to do today kind of thing. And
1: so, and, yeah. and who are those writers? Where are they today? Or are you still in contact with them?
0: Yeah, you know, the the, the Sklar brothers were the first two American oh. writers that uh, that were on the show, uh, and they, they you know they're they're still killing it as stand up guys and yeah. I, I see them all the time, and uh, they have a podcast now too. But they were the first writers that came in from outside of my circle of friends. You know, and then there was also Chris Brown. Uh, who uh, Christopher Brown, who was uh, our head writer, and he uh, he uh, wrote Beeps and Butthead, so he came in and helped us on MTV. And there was a writer named Gabe Abelson and a writer named Jeff Boggs. They both came from David Letterman show. Uh, there was my friend Derek Harvey uh, from Canada who came with us. My friend Sean Greenson. Uh, and then Trevor Cavanaugh and Darcy detony they started the show with me in college. So there was all sorts of people that kind of helped throughout the years, you know,
1: that's amazing. And, and obviously, needless to say, you became a very hot commodity in LA. Uh, you were definitely enjoying your single life. I, re- I remember the tabloids, uh, definitely following you around. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you? Because obviously you went from this, obviously this small little show, in Canada, to MTV, to being, you know, for all intents and purpose, a media darling, like you were, you were that dude. You know what I'm saying? So, what was it like to go out? What was it like to have that attention as a young, strapping, you know, I man? That far, but you know, right.
0: look, I, I think I was, <laughs> I think I was, uh, you know, how it is when you get old. I'm 48 years old now, so I think about I was 28 when that happened. Uh, and you know, we, my whole life changed pretty quick. Went from, you know, having, you know, living, I, I literally was living in my parents' basement, uh, the last few years of doing the show before I came, cause I didn't have a job cause I was just editing the show all day and volunteering on this show. And then all of a sudden in LA, uh, lots of attention. It was a lot to grapple with. I think I was pretty naive at the time to it. You know, I didn't really understand you know, how to deal with a lot of that stuff. But I, I you know, I, I think sometimes naivety is a good thing because I was I was too naive to be nervous. You know, I was too naive to be afraid. I just kind of, I'd go on The Tonight Show and I'd just go nuts, you know. I remember. You know, but I got to host Saturday Night Live and I went on there and I brought my friends with me and I asked if they could help me write some skits. And, they, you know, Lauren Michaels said, sure. And then we just kind of came in and we kind of went kind of nuts, you know and i think that you know in in hindsight maybe at this age i would have gone in and sort of been a little bit more like oh okay what would you like me to do and kind of played ball with with the the show a bit more but i was about this sort of, i was in this sort of I had this sort of idea that we were gonna revolutionize things. Yeah, well you know, but you were idea. We're gonna we're gonna fuck television up. We're gonna change television, you know, we're gonna do it the way it's never done be- been done before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, there's a lot of a lot that was exciting about that being a young kid, you know, but then sometimes I think that maybe I could have pulled back a little bit on that, you know? No, I, <laughs> I,
1: I you know what I gotta tell you, as a fan, I disagree. I you know, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about SNL. I'm glad you brought it up because I was um I did wanna talk to you about that. I I respect you so much for the fact that you had that, you know, I don't give a fuck attitude that you had this balls to the wall. I'm going to be true to myself, no matter what attitude. Um, My hope is that you wouldn't pull back at 48. I, I, my hope is that at 48, you would be more comfortable being that person that you were back then, because I feel that, you know, in just following you, that was the greatest part of yourself. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean I definitely think that I, I just would have had I would like to have had a bit more sensitivity to understanding how the business works and how television's put together and so going into SNL or or working at MTV or working on projects, sometimes it was kinda when you're young you're just so like, you know, it's my way or or, or whatever, you know, and sometimes right. it's kinda cool to be able to, you know, work a little better with other people. So I think, I think I've found a way now to be able to do, to do both, you know, and there's the a balance there.
1: certainly. And there's a balance. I'm not saying yeah. that it has to be Easter feast or famine,
0: but like I'm saying, like, like, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I was, I was naive to that at the time, because there's something about looking at a 20 year old, some 20 something year old kid, just going on the show and just going nuts. And, you know, kind of just making a complete, you know, ass of himself, and it's right. fun to watch, you know? Yeah. I went on the t- I went on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and uh, uh, I, um, you know, they have the J bar that you put yeah. around, and everyone can do a drink before the show, and I always thought it was kind of interesting, because I'd been on the show a couple of times at this point, and they had Jagermeister and tequila, and I was, said, you know, just, can people... You know, when when Oprah comes on, does she do a shot of Jagermeister? And, you know, we had a, this was before the show. And I said, Hey, you know, maybe next time I come on, I can roll the J bar out onto the stage. We'll pretend I did it spontaneously. And uh, I'll do some shots with Jay. And Jay doesn't drink, so he'll shoot the shot over his shoulder. So they say, Sure, yeah, let's do it. So the next time I come on the show, that's the bit. It's all planned. But I'm backstage with my friend. And my friend was kind of like a shit disturber kind of friend, you know, he's a hilarious guy my friend Derek, and uh, he kept saying, do a shot before you go on. I said, like, okay, so I did a shot backstage. Do another shot. I'm like, okay. do another. So the bit was I would go out on stage, do a shot with Jay, but now I'm like four shots deep before the show's even started. I'm getting a little loose. Let's put it that way. I go out, another shot with Jay, audience loves it. Another shot with Jay, audience loves it. All of a sudden, I'm like seven, eight shots in.
1: Of Jaeger now.
0: Of Jaeger on the Tonight oh. Show. And by the 114 end of the show, proof. R- Rosario Dawson was the second guest. She comes Shout out, out to that like, LES you know, spilling wine all over the place. You know, <laughs> the next day, the New York Post, front, front page of the entertainment section, dead drunk. You know, it's a picture of me on the show. You know? and people were kind of A little concerned, you know, uh, about me. But the the coolest part about it was, first of all, Jay was very nice. They thought it was crazy. I got a call from Jay the next day at home to see if I was all right on my home phone, you know. And then I get a call from a number I don't recognize, and it's the next day. I'm hungover. I can't believe it. You know, people are kind of concerned that maybe I went a little too far on the show. And the phone's ringing, and I don't recognize the number. I pick it up. It's Howard Stern. Just calling me. Don't even know how he got my number. Wow. And he calls and says, yeah, Tom, I just, you know, people never call each other in this business when they see something they love. But that was the funniest thing I've ever seen on The Tonight Show. I just wanted to call you and tell you that was awesome. I was just sitting there kind of. And I was. I remember I was thinking to myself, like, because I was I was getting kind of shit from people like that I'd gone too far, you know, from some people, like managers and things like that. They were a little, not managers, but some people at the movie studio for the movie that was coming out. They were a little. A little mad at me i think mm-hmm. and uh stern called up and we had this great you know 15 minute conversation and he just really made me feel feel good about doing it about, about following through on that bit and just sort of going for it so so yeah it was always walking that line you know sometimes we cross the line a little bit too, a little <laughs> bit but you know it's 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 in, in 20 years later you look back at it and go well, you know what? That was that was good. We did that because it was yeah. it was crazy. And it's
1: always better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah, you know
0: what I'm saying yeah, like I've done especially that, I've done that a fair amount. Yeah,
1: no <laughs> no doubt. Um, so the other part of this, you know, obviously that I think is so interesting to me is that you're a big hip hop fan, but also. Besides your podcast, which is um, amazing, by the way, the thank you for Michael Rapaport. Oh no, it was, it was my pleasure.
0: Everybody, um, go check out, search on the podcast. It's the Tom Green Podcast. It's a, we got really into some of the early days of New York hip hop and how you how you know, some of your early days. Uh, I don't know some stories that I've not heard before, so that was really cool.
1: And uh, again, uh, the Michael Rap Report one was amazing. That's out. And who do you have coming up? Do you know? Uh, so you today, be-
0: Paulie Shore was today. Oh, nice. uh, he called in from uh, from. Uh, uh, we just had L King, uh, the the Grammy nominated mm-hmm. singer who did the song X's and Oh Oh Oh. Stay I mean, fun. You
1: don't have to explain to me yeah. who L King is.
0: Yeah, Very, she's great and yeah. uh, she's really funny. And we talked about you know she's raising chickens in her backyard during the pandemic right now, so it was pretty cool. It's that always good to eat fresh and, chicken. Yeah, absolutely. had Anthony Scaramucci on. We talked about the stock market. Uh, I've had Doctor Drew on. We've had, uh, you know, I've been doing it every day. Dane Cook, Chris Angel, all sorts of cool people have been calling. Amazing, in,
1: so. amazing. So yeah, let's let's definitely get into that. But one of your private passions, because people don't realize this, is that you make beats. Like yeah. you make beats. You produce beats. You're still involved in this. I do want to ask you this before we get there. And what I find interesting is when you know when you get to people that I know that love hip hop, but are men of a certain age. Let's say. There was a point in time when they stopped listening to new hip hop. do you re- uh-huh. what was that what was that for you when did you when did that line stop? I found out a very interesting statistic that I'll share with you after, but do you remember when that line was when you just stopped listening to new hip hop and everything that you listened to were just kind of deviations of old groups
0: Yeah, and it's weird because so much great music came out after that point um, and then i've since started listening to new hip-hop again but there's probably a 20-year chunk in the middle where i just kept listening to you know third base uh tripod quest public enemy uh brand Nubian, you know, the you know, the beastie boys uh, all the all the all the all the music that i grew up listening to um you know uh but uh there was there was a point probably Probably around, like, 1994 or something like that. Wow. I just kind of kept listening to the stuff between 1989 and 1994. You know, I mean, I, I always used to think that, you know, uh, I, I I love Nation of Millions. It's, it's interesting how records come out. And so I, I, I discovered Public Enemy right around, really, really the first Public Enemy record I had was Nation of Millions. But then I went and got... Bum rushed the show and was listening to them at the same time. And then when Fear of a Black Planet came out, I was I still kept saying my favorite's Nation of Millions. I mean, I, I love Fear of a Black Planet, but my favorite's Nation of Millions. Or you know, Run DMC. I'd Raising Hell. I love that record. And then the next one uh, was it uh, Tougher than Leather. Yeah, Tougher than Leather came out right. And I was just kind of like, I love this, but really, it's not going to be like Raising Hell to me. So on that specific level, like I was. You know when Midnight Marauders came out for Tribe I was, I loved it but it wasn't Low End Theory. And I discovered Low End Theory first. Then uh well no I knew I left my wallet in El Segundo. I knew that video but I didn't have the whole record. The first time I got a whole Tribe record was Low End Theory and I just listened to that on loop for years. And so that's still to me, you know, my favorite, you know, uh Probably my favorite record of all time, the Low End Theory record, and then yours, of course. But uh, you know, but no, and you guys, and so it was all that era, right? And so De La Soul, and uh, and then there was like some some obscure stuff that, I mean, not probably not obscure to you, but I can't really remember a lot of the songs. But I remember like OG Style from Houston. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I know how to play him. I know how to catch him slipping, I think was the song. Right, that was that was, that was a good song, and uh, you know, uh, Daz Effects and uh epmd and uh and that that whole era you know of course uh, B- bdp so in the order the order i discovered rap music was run dmc and then it was public enemy and then it was boogie down productions was like with i remember i heard criminal minded and it was on a cassette you know like a, it was because in Ottawa, it was even different. There wasn't, that, there wasn't record stores all over that sold stuff. There was one record store called Downtown Records that sold rap music. And other than that, and I didn't have any money, so people would pass around cassettes. I remember someone gave me a cassette of Criminal Minded, you know, The Bridge is Over, The Bridge is Over. And I was Biddy-ba-ba. like, And you're listening to that. And it was, I always, I always talk to young people who, you know, grew up with the internet, and I say, It was just a different world. Like, you'd be listening to that cassette. Of Boogie Down Productions from New York. And it was like a portal into a world that we didn't know, you know, from up in Canada. We didn't understand that world. And so it was so exciting, right? Um, so that whole era of, of, uh, of, of music was kind of like burned into me for, and still is. But now, now, like, I listen to, I like, li- I listen to, I was really, really listening to Juice World a lot, and I still am, but I mean, I was so so tragic when he passed away. Because uh, 'cause I've been telling people about Juice World. You gotta check out this guy Juice World and he was just starting to really, really pop and then then, then that tragedy happened. And I uh, like I listened to Lil Skies a lot too. Lil Skies, Juice World. Um you know, I listened to some new stuff too, you know. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> no, it's just cause you say ninety four, so I think of ninety four is obviously Wu Tang, Ilmatic. Yeah, Biggie, yeah, Ilmatic,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, so that all was of those like I I I mean, I love I love Nas. I love Wu-Tang, but that was, that was just sort of at the, first of all, 94 was also personally was when I started the Tom Green show. And so mm-hmm. I was just sort of, I was in an edit bay all day and mm-hmm. I was just, just doing the show. And I kind of became so focused on that. I stopped kind of list, I wasn't even listening to a lot of music for a few years, you know?
1: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. So we're going to get into some music right now because I love that you make beats. Yeah. You just played a beat that made me my whole face scrunch, which is nice. very rare. Because two things that happen when I listen to beats. My face will do this. Yeah. And then the lyrics keep going, or I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're gone. You played one beat, and I'm totally no bullshit. I was like, oh,
0: my God. This is what I got. I made this. I made this basically last night for the show.
1: Can you speed it up just a little bit?
0: What was that? Speed it up a little bit. Speed it up a bit, all right.
1: Yeah, so this is the first rhyme I ever wrote check it out. So you think you rock well got a snowball chance in hell to catch MC Search cause I will ring your bell and soon you will tell that my record's is gonna sell cause when I finish rapping homeboys are gonna yell you will yeah. be so excited that my fire's been ignited, and all the body people have now been cited game my sight keep rocking all night and let the power of the body grow boy, and bright. my name is MC Search and I'm here to say that I can rock the microphone 24 hours a day from far rock away Queens and my gangsta lean and i'm always rocking a pair of fresh lead jeans sneakers Ooh. on my feet hat on my head makes my cypher complete as i bang down the street tom green
0: my mellow yeah. my man get on the mic and do the best you can yo i'm tom green chilling in my quarantine wake up the hash brown champagne egg florentine you know me from the magazine forever changed when i heard microphone flee. oh but i'm an OG. I remember when they dropped, fuck the police I remember Schoolie D broin' mine with rhymes like looking at my Gucci, it's about that time I said you drop the attitude before I give you the gas face Woo! Like MC search would do You do-do but a jeep, your serpitude When your bitch came over, I ate her like food Yeah, I'm that dude That dude that make you fall apart, become unglued yeah, I'm that dude chilling on the interview with MC Search on Bad News.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that. Tom Green, thank you so many much. The beats were right and exact from LA. Back to my crib over here. The whole atmosphere is left to right here. Let me make this clear. The Tom Green podcast, you can hear it every day on TomGreenPodcast.com. Yeah. Me and Tom Green, you know we got it going on. There's nothing wrong with hip hop from back in the day as long as you're listening to the hip hop today, that fresh clean air. No so quarantine, no gangsta lean. Understand that I'm not a lean. I don't do drugs, no alcohol. I just hang with my wife and I pull the wall. I mean, I wash the wall. I mean, I think the wall <laughs> because I'm in the crib. I got nothing to do at all. Tom Green, yo, thank you very much for doing the podcast. See you real soon, and off <laughs>
0: thank you so Happy I wrote, I wrote these lyrics last night for the show.
1: Well, those are incredible. I did want to hear the original organized rhyme. We'll save it up another time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. It's fun, man. I uh, I appreciate uh, you having me on, Search. Um, it's it's, it's not not so cool. Um, not and uh, you know, listen, I can't wait to uh, get out of this damn pandemic <laughs> so we can uh, go hang out and uh, kick it. You know. No, definitely. Uh, and like I got I'm book.
1: gonna work on this comic album. <laughs> I'm going to be beat, turn the beat down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be working on a tonic album. Um, Charlie B said, We sound like fourth bass, which is, I think <laughs> <a compliment. laughs> would have been better if he said home run, but you know, I'll take fourth base. Do we have a uh,
0: second? Can I rap it again at the tempo I wrote it at? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Chilling in my quarantine Wake up the hash brown champagne and Florentine You know me from the cover of the magazine Forever change when I heard the microphone feed I'm not too old, but I'm OG I remember when they dropped fuck the police Schoolie D blowing minds with rhymes like Looking at my Gucci, it's, it's about, about that time. Time. Yeah. I suggest you drop the attitude before I give you the gas face just like MC Search would You do do butter jeep, you serve for two. When your bitch came over, I ate it like food. food. Yeah, I'm like that dude. That dude that make you fall apart, come unglued. Yeah, I'm that dude chilling on the interview show with MC Search of Bad News. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I will tell you. I like I like the uh, tempo. I liked it when you uh, set it up. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I just uh, I liked your flow because you I your feel flow like I fumbled a couple of words Oh you did not you
1: did not fumble. You did not fumble, you, <laughs> did, not fumble. you did not fumble. You were official like a ref with a whistle. <laughs> Tom Green, man, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank All
0: thank right, thank you. you. Peace All and right. love and peace. Yeah, and thank you to all your listeners and followers. I appreciate it, search. I love you, man. Okay. Love you too,
1: brother. Check out tomgreenpodcast.com. He's got more people coming to his uh, crib than hospital people looking for uh, coronavirus uh,
0: test.
1: Yes, Andy. Tom, correct. (laughs) Andy, Andy Shaw said you came correct, brother. Thank you again. Um, Tom Green, ladies and gentlemen.